As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be. Oh man, it's eight o'clock. And so that'll make it a. I don't need the spotlight. I shine just fine. Hi, I'm Karma, and yes, I am a bitch. Rob Bros. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brav Bros, your favorite podcast from the bros for everybody, for whoever wants to listen. I am your co-host, Steel Russell, joined, as always, by the one and only Skeet Scoots Magoots. What's up, dude? I, I like the slight pause there. You were trying to think of something good. I had to think. I, I'm running out. Of, I never thought that would be a problem, but I've never said your name this many times in a year, so yeah. I'm running out of fun things to say, and here's the problem, and it's going to become a bigger problem. This is our first official second episode week. We have two episodes coming this yep. week. So now we're going to have two every week. I'm not going to be able to keep up. So here's my call to our audience. <laughs> you guys need to start making up Shooter Magooter names and sending them my way so that I can start dropping them on the podcast so I stay original. I'm going to use your content. I'll, I'll give you a shout out. But let's, let's hear some of, uh, you know, it's Shooter Magooter. Scoots McGee, Shooter McGavin, Scooter. There's a lot of different ways to do it. So that's my challenge to the audience. My challenge to the audience is to come up with something that I haven't heard before because I've heard all of those that you just mentioned. Yep. As Steele said, we've been doing this for a year. And welcome to two-show season. Two-show season, baby. We're here. There's a ton of content for us to cover. So rather than making you sit through two hours and have to wait until Friday and so on and so forth, why don't you just split it up? You know, you get to hear us uh, a couple times a week now. Wednesday, Friday. That's the schedule as of right now. Yep. That, I don't think that'll change. That seems reasonable to yeah, me. Yeah, that way everybody gets to enjoy their weekend and look forward to Wednesday. Yeah, but we're not going to do Rose and Thorn. We're going to save that for a Friday episode. Um, we'll have to come up with a new bit for Wednesday. We'll come up with a new bit again called our audience. Send in some bits. No, I'm just kidding. We'll come up with something. Um, yeah, we'll make them do all the work. For us. <laughs> hey, but, you figure it out, guys. Yeah, you guys figure. You tell us what you want. But um, first things first, plugs, shall we? Plug it up. All right, I'm going to plug you real quick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, July 26th, City Winery in New York City. We are going to be there with a hashtag no filter night out with Zach Peter. So make sure you get your tickets. They are selling faster than the Philadelphia show, and the Philadelphia show sold out fast. So if you don't have a ticket yet, this is not a marketing ploy. Because when we announce our guests, you are going to see tickets fly off the shelves, mm -hmm. the virtual shelves, if you will, because the guests are going to be amazing. They're, we already kind of know who they're going to be. We can't announce who they are, but I promise you, you're not going to want to miss them. So get your tickets now. Come see us at the City Winery, July 26th. Yeah, let's just say that we've got guests chomping at the bit to come join us because we're polarizing people, you oh, know? Jesus, here we go. A couple of influencers up on the stage, and everybody wants to be part of it. So you go be part of it. Go get your ticket. Come join us. I heard from somebody who lives in New York that this City Winery is, quote-unquote, the nice City Winery. So I don't know which one we were dealing with before, but apparently this is the right one. And... We saw in Atlanta that Candace was on a city winery tour. So are we. Yeah. Well, we're not on a tour. We are officially, I think two makes a tour. No, because a tour denotes a previously like scheduled date. And I think that belittles Candace's tour because she's actually on a real legitimate tour. It's like posters for Candace Dillard's tour. So I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. I'm just going to say we are in the process of potentially touring. But that also, that paints a picture that we are going to do a tour, and I don't want to give people promises, well, false promises. Don't say I well. I will. 
What do you mean? <laughs> How many people have messaged us in the past like three weeks saying, you guys got to come here. You guys got to come here. You guys got to come here. Eventually, we're going to have to make it happen. I'm down for a tour. I'm just saying this technically mm-hmm. is not a tour. I mean, it, I don't know. I feel like now it's semantics, but I think we need to find out if there's a city winery in Seattle. Shout out Seattle. There's a huge contingency out there that listens to us. And I even floated around the potential date because the birds are playing out there in December. So look, we're not putting anything in stone, but you guys want us to come places. I'd rather be other places sometimes than here, especially in the shitty months. (laughs) So if you live in a nice area, maybe around November, we can get out of here and go to somewhere warm. That's not a hint. We don't have anything locked in, but I'm down. I, I will. I've told you that my favorite thing in the world now is doing live shows. So I'm down to go wherever, whenever. Let's get some dates on the schedule. Plug number two, double plug. Plug number two, next Wednesday for the VPR reunion part two, we are going to be at Barstool Sansom downtown in Philly. We're collaborating with them for a watch party. So you have to sign up online if you want a slot. I think the last one that they did was for the finale, and I think it sold out pretty quick. So if you want to come hang out with us, watch the reunion, see me throw a notebook live, (laughs) get your spot, fill it out. We'll see you guys downtown. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because we have said on this podcast before that watching in a bar or watching with a lot of people around us isn't really something that would interest us. But you know what? I watched the videos from last week when they did the finale there, and it, it looks like a good George's time. George's Niang was there. I can't believe Niang. The, the minivan. Yeah. George the minivan was there. and if Taking a shot, getting ready for VPR. I love it. I, if he's there again, I, uh, I'm i going to be starstruck. The George minivan. Niang is a brav bro. Yep. Wow. See? They're everywhere. They're professional athletes. They're amongst us all. So they if sure you're a are. brav bro and you're still hiding in the shadows, it's time to rip off that mask and come out into the sun, my friend. Well, the good thing is that Peacock is airing extended versions of the reunion the day after. So even if we don't quite catch everything there, and we can kind of be a little bit loose. We don't have to really be on our game. We can just rewatch the extended version the next day in the comfort of our own homes. So this is more like a party. So come join the party next Wednesday, Barstool Sansom. I've been there before. I've waited in that line. Hopefully we bypass the line this time. I think we might have an in, but if you see us waiting outside, look, we're just like all of you. We're yeah. not we're not special, despite what shooters well. says. That just, <laughs> that's why I prefaced it or posted it. Pre-post preface. Pre-post preface. That's what we do here. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it so we don't drag you guys out for two hours. Up first, we had the Roan J finale last week, so we're playing a little catch up. Overall, how was the season for you? Eh. Yeah. Like overall, eh. I mean, we spent the first couple episodes just talking about how the new people were going to kind of mesh in. They got meshed in in not really the way that we wanted them to. But by the end of the season, I guess they kind of came full circle and they started to make their own decisions. And that's okay. But overall, we still just got stuck in the rut that is Joe and Teresa and dealing with all of that and them talking behind each other's backs. There were a couple of aha moments. Mm -hmm. But overall, Meh. I'm going to give it a six and a half, probably. I think I'm, I'll meet you there. I, yeah. I like six and a half out of ten. And I think that there's a lot of promise. I think that the newbies can bring a different element to this show. So I'm not, that's why it's above a five, I think, is because of the prospect of new things coming. Yeah. I do want to ask because of the fallout between Teresa and Melissa, it seems like it might not be mendable this time. I think they're putting the show on pause as of now because they can't figure it out. Yeah. 
do you think that they will figure out a way to at least film together, or do you think that somebody's going to go? I think somebody has to go. Yeah, honestly, I agree. I, I, we talked about this with Zach last week, and that's why I kind of forgot that we didn't even really touch on this because of all the VPR stuff. But we kind of see one. We see Teresa say "love bubble" fifteen times in a row, and it's it really kind of like piqued my interest, thinking she has something in the works with a love bubble, with a love bubble type of show with her and Louie kind of just going off and doing their own thing. But then where does Jersey end up? Because I don't really want to see it. And again, like Teresa hasn't done a whole lot this year, but we're still stuck in that rut. So something does need to change, but I am afraid to see what Jersey looks like without Teresa, because I feel like she's a huge influence and I'm afraid to see who's going to try to fill those shoes, whether it's Marge or Melissa. Like, I don't really know what it's going to look like. The cleaner version, I think, is to get rid of Melissa and Joe just because all they've been doing is just agitating the same storyline over and over and over again and not really presenting us with anything new from their lives. Yeah. When you're not going to do that, and we talk about this with every show, and this isn't just for Joe and Melissa, for the people who are mad that we're Team Teresa, Team Joe, whatever. If you're not bringing us new information, if you're not bringing us something new to the table over and over again, and you've had 10 years to do this, you kind of have to go. Counterpoint. Do you want to see them have a season where Teresa's not there to see what they can bring? Because I do. I think that they deserve the chance to try to prove that they belong on the show. Because I don't, I think that because of the shadow that Teresa has casted, even before there was all this drama, and the drama's pretty much been the entirety of the show, but even when they entered the show, like she's already casting a big shadow. Then this drama comes up between the two of them that's irrevocable. So do you think that without her on the show, we might get a Joe and Melissa that we haven't seen? Because I'm down for that. I feel like we've seen all sides of Teresa. I know what I'm going to get from her. I know what I get from her when she's not talking about Joe and Melissa, even though that's few and far between. I don't know what we get with a Teresa-free Joe and Melissa. I would like to see that, at least one season to see what they can do. Unfortunately, I think I do know what we get, and it's nothing. And that's kind of where I am, where... Yeah, I guess like they've been there for long enough, so at least try to see what it looks like. So I won't fault Bravo. I won't fault anybody who's supporting that. If we go into next season without Teresa and they give Melissa and Joe a shot just to see what it looks like. But I feel like we've seen over and over again what they can bring. And it's never anything personal. Like, I don't care if your daughter's getting a car. I I need to see more from your family. I need to see more from the inner workings of your marriage that doesn't revolve around Teresa and Joe or Teresa and Louie. And I do feel like we're still going to get that because if we give them another year, I think that's all they're going to talk about is life without Teresa or we're not talking to Teresa. Like she's not even on the show anymore. Like I can already see myself getting upset about it. So I feel like that would do more damage. I feel like a clean break, even if Teresa were to go and do her own thing, maybe just drop Melissa and Joe and let's see what we have here with the rest of them. I don't think you can afford to drop them both. Mm. I think that because of mainstays and the loyalty to these women that people have, you you can't afford to lose all the Gorgas. I guess, yeah. I I, I just don't. I'm worried of what it's gonna look like when. Well, here's with, with either of them leaving, honestly, because then like it frees up Teresa to go do other things. But without Joe, she was just on this love journey, and that's gonna get boring after that a while. If we don't boring. get the old Teresa back. Then what are we going to have? We don't have the... Teresa is checked out. Teresa doesn't give a shit anymore. I'm afraid that Marge is going to try to step up in a big way, and she's already so annoying to me that I don't want to see her at 
in the middle, if you will. We get so many Marge supporters reaching out saying, you guys are really harsh on Marge. It's like an oxymoron. Have you seen how she talks to people? We're harsh on her. Are you shitting me? Look, we've derailed this enough already. Let's dive in. We have our 17th Roaring Twenties party of the past year. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think Bravo pushed that? They had to have. No, I, I really don't because I remember being, I was in my 20s in like 2019 and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for, now obviously they're not in their 20s, but I was excited for theme parties of the Roaring 20s. Now, even me in my 20s would be tired of it by 2021. It seems like they're kind of catching up and, you know, boomer mentality. They're kind of catching up on these things. So I don't think Bravo is pushing it. I think that people are just having a hard time being creative. We've had it across the board. Every franchise has had a Roaring Twenties party, but this one at least has like an Irish prohibition theme to it. So yeah. it's a little different. And I like the the Irish dancers out front. I like that Paulie took it upon himself to do the whole thing. Paul's he's just a different level of like man. He is amongst these guys. Like he just takes care of his own shit. He doesn't rely on anybody else. Like he takes care of business, and I like that about him. And it's not even like he he doesn't really hide from the spotlight, if you will. But he's absolutely not trying to push the spotlight on himself. No, he doesn't. It seems like he's just kind of living his life. Like, really, none of this has changed him. He loves Dolores. He wants a life with her. He has his own life that we don't really need to see or Mm -hmm. see at all. And that's fine for a house husband. Yep. And he still doesn't really like he does nice things like this or he said he suggests going to Ireland for the girls. He's a big influence without actually pushing anything for himself, and I I think I really like that. No, that's a really good way to describe him, but the first thing I want to highlight, Fuda and Marge are talking about Danielle, who's not present there, so they're doing exactly what they got mad at Danielle about, talking behind people's Mm -hmm. backs, saying things you're not supposed to say, but whatever. Fuda asks, like, what's going on with her? She's now trying to paint this picture that she gives a shit, which is hysterical, because clearly, once again, like, if Fuda's shown me anything this season... It's she's just playing the game. Everything she does is a chess move or she thinks is a chess move. But I would I would more say that she's playing checkers. I don't think that it's deep enough to call it chess. But Marge immediately bounces back at her and goes, you know what? Everything's always about her. She has to make everything about her, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen that one time. Her try to make it about herself. Everything's about her. And then she just pouts and she pouts and she cries until she gets her way. It's like that's not that none of that has gone down that way. I don't think Marge will ever understand that something is personally affecting Danielle. We never see anything personally like we've seen in the past where she has brought up things about, you know, her kids not talking to her or other people have talked about it, but she shuts it down. She hasn't. She shuts it down immediately. Yeah. So she will never go into that. So when somebody is actually going through something like Danielle is, it's just so foreign to Marge because Danielle didn't lean on Marge like Rachel did. Like Rachel leans on Marge and you can tell Marge knows all about how she's adopting Jaden and so on and so forth. Danielle did not do that. She immediately was talking to somebody that she thought was a friend and obviously got caught up in all of it. So immediately was on Marge's bad side. If it was vice versa, Marge would be there. Oh, sweetie, all honey, you know, it's just him. It's whatever. Like, don't worry about any of that. And then she would go attack somebody else. But the thing is, I, I do think that Rachel has changed and not in the way that like I'm opposing you in any way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah, you're good. I think that last week, what we saw at Teresa's bridal shower where Danielle did clap at Rachel, mm-hmm. she could not handle it. Oh. I think that she's scared. I think that, yes, she knows how to play the game because she's watched all these shows, blah, 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 whatever. I think that she's scared. I like that. She does not want to be in the position that Danielle's in. She's seen how people are attacking Danielle constantly. Mm. So why not 
be a nice friends now and try to make good. The good thing is Danielle's not having any of that shit. No, she ain't about it. She knows that now Rachel could be a snake. Now, I don't think that Rachel has the strength to kind of put up with it and be a Marge. I think that she's a little scared. So I think that she tried to mend a little bit of a broken relationship with Danielle right there. Not trying to be fake. I think that she genuinely wanted to do it. That's interesting. I I like that take a lot. And we do end with them semi squashing it. It didn't seem like they were like totally cool with each other, but they agreed to at least try to move forward. And that's when they start to dig a little bit into what was going on with Danielle in Mm -hmm. Ireland. Hey, what happened? You seem to be checked out. You seem to be really in your head. Is it about your brother? Like, what's the deal? And this is when, when we've seen the previews about it and we've been, you know, there's been inklings about this rumor since before the season started. But this is when the Melissa rumor starts to come to light. We see Danny go outside, talk to Jen, and she's like, hey, I'm going to spill the beans. Jen, look, Jen is perfect for the show. She really is. She's great for the show. But as far as subtlety, she has none. None. Because she's sitting there talking. She's like, oh, don't do that. I, the reason, and then she goes into a confessional and she's like, the reason that I didn't say anything is I didn't want to air out her dirty laundry like what happened to me last year with Bill. Jen, you're the one that said this on TV first. You are the one that threw the bomb. Yep. Danielle is just being a good friend and bringing it to the person that the rumor's about. That's what you probably should have done instead of drop the bomb and be like, but I'm not going to tell anybody, even though there's a camera six feet from my face. Mm-hmm. Like You know what you're doing. And then what's interesting is people have said that this was Teresa's plan altogether. They've lumped Danielle, I don't believe this at all in the mm. slightest, but they lumped all three of them in saying pretty much that there was a conversation had before this party in which Teresa was like, you're going to spill the tea. I've heard that rumor, and I think that's ridiculous. I think Danielle genuinely was trying to be a good friend, but you hear the other women that oppose Teresa jump on that same bandwagon and say, oh, this is all Teresa. She knew it was going to happen. I, so. Oh, no. I don't think they planned for it to happen in that specific moment. However, think about it this way. Okay. Teresa is going to manipulate the situation. Obviously, she wants that news to get back to Melissa. Yes. She didn't plan on everybody understanding that it came from Teresa to begin with. So it backfired on her entirely. But I think that Teresa carefully didn't even need to be careful, told Jen, knowing that Jen may, maybe she told Jen to tell Danielle. But I do firmly believe that Teresa planted a seed in Jen. Yes, Yes. absolutely. And Danielle, being a newbie, maybe she needs a storyline. Maybe she needs a big moment. Let's see what happens in this first season. Let's Mm -hmm. plant the seed there and just see what happens. Did they plan on it happening exactly that moment? No, no chance in hell. But I think that they knew that eventually Danielle was going to say, well, let me go talk to Melissa and let her know. Because we saw in the past, Melissa and Danielle had a good conversation about losing a sibling and so on and so forth. So being able to kind of plant that seed in Danielle, knowing fully that she is going to be a big person and go tell Melissa to her face, I think that's what Teresa ultimately wanted. Okay. I, I don't... I don't think I'm the three of them sat I, down and had a conversation that's what about I'm it. Saying. I, think I think that, that they right. knew that, Ter- that Danielle was going to do it because one... She's new, might need a storyline, and two, that's just kind of who the who she is. It was an inception. They yes. pulled an inception. Yeah, they pulled an inception. They, it was a yeah. it was a dream the inside of a back dream. back from Ireland. They incepted Danielle. Yes. Okay, I'm down with that. I like and Michael Caine was there. <laughs> Michael Caine. <Cain. laughs> 
Hello, housewives. No. But during all this hullabaloo, if you will, or pre-hullabaloo, Louis arrives looking redder than the sun. Like Oof. He walks in and he looks like he legitimately just stuck his face against a UV light for 20 minutes before he walked into that house. But we have to take a sidestep because Jen Fessler, the queen of friend doves, the grand dame of friend doves, if you will, she is an absolute champion, goes up to Frank Jr. And I don't even know if she knows she was on camera. Like this was just a funny moment where yeah. she's like, get your phone out. And he's like, uh, okay. And he's like, she's like, you got a girlfriend? It's like, no. She's like, yeah, get your phone out. And she puts her number in Frank Jr.'s phone. <laughs> I think she's the best. Yeah. No, she's great. And and Frank Jr., it's so funny because I actually saw something on Twitter this past week that had us and Watch What Crappens in the tweet Ooh, I like that. talking about Frank Jr. And it was, so I was listening to the Broad Bros talk about it and how afraid Frank Jr. was that anything would pop off at that dinner with with Frank and Polly. Yeah. And then I went over to watch what happens. They were talking about how fuckable Frank Jr. is. <laughs> it's like, that's a great dichotomy. We need both of those things in our lives. And like, that's what you're going to get here. But I, I, again, think that Frank Jr. is just like, oh, my God, man, I, I got to be around these housewives all the time. There's always shit going on. I think part of them probably loves it. But as a 23 year old guy, there's no way that he wasn't flattered when Fester's like, put my number in your phone. Yeah. And he definitely texted his friends like, dude. Guess what? I just got this chick's number. Well, especially with Fessler coming out talking about how she had sex with Tony Soprano. So, oh, he could be Eskimo brothers with Tony Soprano. That would be cool. That would be pretty cool. Hey, Frank. Part him, Frank. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool, Frank. <laughs> anyway, let's just do it. Let's let's get into Louis because he is a fucking tornado coming into this party. He looks like he's been eating nothing but pasta all night mm -hmm. long. Like a diet that only consists of pasta and no food because he walks in and his eyes are so wide. He's so red and he's just kind of erratic. Like as soon as he walked in the party, I was like, ooh, something's off. Like yeah. he doesn't seem right. He doesn't say hi to Joe, doesn't say hi to Melissa, goes out of his way to kind of avoid the both of them, which I thought was a weird move. Yeah. Again, I think that Teresa probably texted him and said, hey, this is what's going on like okay. that. Because he came right after that. One thing to note here. And I've been trying to keep track of moments where, because people say that Louis manipulative and I, given the past four or five episodes, I cannot say otherwise. So I'm trying to look at specific moments. And I found one that I thought was, it kind of piqued my interest. I was like, huh. He tells Teresa when she's happy. There's a moment where, you know, she's talking to him and they're kind of just discussing the awkwardness at the party. Like the fact that Joe hasn't said anything, the fact that Melissa hasn't said anything. And he's like, you know what? Th th they don't make you happy. Like you're, you're happy. You're so happy. But when they're around, you're not happy. So now he's telling her when to be happy or when she is happy. He's like, dictating her feelings to her. And I don't even think that she notices. Like, I think she's like, oh, he knows me. He knows me so well. He knows that I'm not happy right now. Like, <laughs> I just think that she falls into this trap that he's kind of, he's laid this intricate manipulative trap for her in which every single thing that he says kind of points her, right? Like he's Yeah, like it's he's all pointing. emotional, too. Like, yes. he always talks about her emotions and how she's going to feel about something and how something's going to make him or her feel. And that's really kind of what the base of all of his manipulations is. And one thing, and, and we can kind of just move right into it, sure. when we talk about how Melissa found out that there was a rumor circulating about her cheating on Joe, yeah. it was... Louis's idea supposedly to call Joe to bring him over to his family to go talk about that. Now, one thing that stood out to me is for 
a bunch of people that talk about family and how important family is all the time. And obviously, you know, there's the overlying issue with Joe and Teresa to not view Melissa as family ah, when it's a yeah. rumor. Now, if Teresa or Louie had caught Melissa red-handed and they went to Joe individually to Joe, I think that's okay. Because look, like we caught your wife hooking up with another guy. We need to talk. Yeah. Fine. When you hear a rumor from fucking three people yep. removed from yourself, and then you go out of your way to just to just isolate Joe and talk about this, that's super disrespectful to Melissa and his marriage. So for people that love family all the time, that's fucking weird. They're, they're trying to actively tear apart the family. They always manipulate situations. Yeah. And that's but that's Louis's MO. And for him to just throw himself into it, and I fully believe this too. I originally was like, uh, you know, maybe he's just taking the fall for Teresa. No. no, I think that from day one, we've seen Louis insert himself where he's not needed or wanted. And he did this again. He took it upon himself to contact Joe. I bet you Teresa in her mind is like, why don't do that? Let's not do that. But Louis's not going to be stopped. And, and I, I think, think that's kind of where Teresa is now. And I think it goes back to what I was saying. Like it, it points like between me and you, these last two comments, I think you just figured it out. You cracked the code. I think he 100% wanted to get involved in the drama. Mm -hmm. He does that very well by pointing Teresa in a certain direction, getting her riled up when he wants to, escalating the situation when he wants to on his terms. But he came out looking like the good guy. We even gave him grace. He manipulated you and I for the first four or five episodes. Because yeah. like, here, he's, he looks like he's trying to bridge the gap. He looks like he's actually trying to mend this relationship. Let's give it a shot. But all he's trying to do is come between them so he controls the narrative. Yep. That's all we're seeing with him. And tonight, not tonight, but the night at the party kind of solidifies that. Because there's a moment when, and we're going to jump all around, but there's a moment after the fighting stops where he goes back downstairs. And that's kind of the Teresa crew is as reconvened below and they're about to leave. He tells the story of what just happened upstairs, and it is night and day from what actually happened. Yeah, way different. He's, he accuses Joe of being the instigator. He accuses Joe of coming at him. It's like, no, you started that shit. Joe was weirdly calm for an Very extended period of time. For the first time ever. Yeah, until you went after his wife. And by the way, dude, you deserve whatever heat you get after that. If you're going to bow up on a woman, if you're going to get in her face, and the only reason you did that, by the way, is because Danielle's husband is standing in between the two of you because you're a big red pussy. You don't get to go downstairs and then spin this narrative like, oh, your brother's doing it again. Like, oh, my God, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm just trying to, I'm just, I love peace. I love peace. I love you and I love peace. That's all I love. Like, you <laughs> really good. Thank you. I've been practicing a lot because this fucking guy's always on my TV screen. But you see him, you catch him in these moments. The Bo Deedle shit. Bo Deedle comes up later. I guess he hired a PI to investigate the whole friend group. Well, B Bo Deedle came out and said he absolutely did not do any work for Louis. Well, that, regardless of whether he did or not, for him to claim that, double down at the reunion from what Andy said in an interview with chicks in the office. And then for him to be on watch what happens live and say, no, no, that never happened. No, never had. No, I look, I was, I was, I was emotional. I was very emotional. Andy, Andy, I'm super fucking red and very emotional. Cause I'm sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that's just, you see, like it, it's just little by little by little, the mask continues to fall off. And I think he's fully exposed. Yeah, no, I, I think he is now, and everybody can kind of see where he is and what his agenda is, and that's kind of where we are at the end of the season, and I, I think that, again, reunions are important, and I'm actually looking forward to this one because of all the information that spewed out at the end. I love when that happens. I love when we get all this new information. I love when we get, like, rivalries renewed or whatever. 
the reunion is a place to hatch it out. I don't think we need the Teresa wedding episode. I really don't care about it. I don't care. We've seen enough. We've seen all the pictures. We've seen videos from all the different housewives that posted stuff. We've seen enough. And from the trailer, it looks like there might be like a little piece of Marge saying, why is Melissa not here? Other than that, I really do think it's just going to be about the wedding, which we have to watch, of course. We'll comment on it on Friday, maybe. But overall, I don't need it. No, they over reunion. Bravo over promoted it. Yep. Early on. They gave us too much of it. So now, one, I didn't care to begin with because the love bubbles bullshit. But two, I really don't care now because I've seen it. I've seen everything. I've heard comments from it. I've heard the drama that happened there. It did not happen there. I heard who was and was not invited. Like, I got it. I, I know the story. I don't need to see it. But back to the finale, we just got a couple more things to touch on. Marge inserted herself into the conversation with Melissa. The, the Melissa conversation didn't go at all how I thought it would. No. I thought she was going to be receptive. I thought she was going to be like, you know what? That's tough. Thank you for telling me. I already knew about it. But instead, she spins it real quick and goes back at Danielle and brings Teresa into it. Mm -hmm. She goes, does that seem like a good sister-in-law to you? And like starts digging in on Teresa. And Danielle was taken off guard, I think. I don't think she was ready for that response. No. I think she was ready for like a kumbaya moment. Instead... She then starts to dig back at Melissa. She's like, well, why does no one ever talk about Marge in this? Like, she seems to be left alone at all times, but she's the one that's allegedly starting all this shit, but you won't say anything about yeah, it. Yeah, it is really weird. And it's it, one of those moments where we, the viewer, know what's going on. And you and I are screaming at the television, bring Marge into it. This is Marge's fault. Her friend, Laura, heard this information, gave it to Marge. Marge then clearly told people or else it wouldn't have gone anywhere. If Marge was truly a good friend, she would have sat down with Melissa and said, hey, I heard this. I'm not telling anybody else. I'm not going to spew this information elsewhere. Instead, we hear about it from Danielle, who's new that you just met six months ago. Right. And Marge is implicated. Why is no one upset about this? How many times does this need to happen for somebody to look at Marge and be like, what the fuck? Shut your mouth. Yeah, but here comes the big bad wolf from left field and Marge comes stomping over. I keep hearing my name. I keep hearing my name over here. What's going on? What's going on? You're disgusting. You're di she always, she leads off anytime she's about to say something horrible, she leads off with you're disgusting. Yep. And then she, her move is just to keep yelling until the other person stops. Fucking Danielle came full circle for me. And I told you Danielle was going to be a star. And I think that this episode points to her potentially having a very successful housewife career because Marge gets in her face. Danielle does not back off. Danielle doubles down. She triples down. She smacks her own ass and says, you can kiss my ass, turns around and gets right in Marge's face. This is when Marge does what Marge does. And yep. anybody that stands by Marge and says that she's not an asshole is an asshole because Marge legitimately goes, this is why your brother will never talk to you again. One. The other thing she says to Jen, she goes, that's why Bill slept with a subordinate. It's like, you don't have to bring specifics in because you know that makes it a lot more dirty than it actually mm -hmm. is. Especially when Jen's still getting over the fact that you ruined her marriage to therapy. and her fucking daughter wants to be a love therapist. Because of you, Marge. Because she you won't take any up. ownership. But this is what Marge does whenever she does get slightly pushed. And she was more than slightly pushed this time. And this is great because we need this. But she gets slightly pushed and then immediately erupts and says unforgivable things. Unforgivable. And you know what happens after that? 
Nothing. She might give you a half-assed apology. Oh, I don't even give a shit about that. I'm talking about her friends around her. Oh, zero. Will never hold her accountable for the terrible things that she says. And that goes for the stupid fans that are in our DMs that are talking about Marge and how we go too hard on her. She says some of the most unforgivable things in all of Housewives across the board. And and for whatever reason, she gets a pass and people talk about how the show needs her because she's a shit-stirrer. Like, no, there are shit-stirrers. There's the Giselle version of shit stirrers, which we just don't need. And then there's Marge, who just goes way overboard and is never held accountable because we need her on the show. Like, no, we need her to rein her the fuck in. And the only way to really rein her in is that people need to consistently go against her. And hopefully that's what Danielle's going to do. And hopefully Jen will kind of try to find a voice, which it looks like she kind of did a little bit to the point where she's not even blaming her husband at this point. No, her husband's she, the one who cheated on her. I know. She walks down and Bill goes, I'm so sorry that I had to put you in this position. Never seen that before, Bill. Never seen that before. But look, if Marge is going to keep doing this, then she's going to end up rallying troops against her. And that's what I think we need. And maybe we'll see a little bit of that at the reunion and hopefully a lot more of it next year. Because I want to see what Marge looks like when she's backed into a corner and she really can say whatever the fuck she wants and nobody cares. Well, I got to ask you. So knowing what we know now. Mm -hmm. So this meeting, this Louie thing happened months ago. Yeah. And we had to sit through an entire season. Yeah. And we bashed the stupid storyline over and over again and questioned why Joe didn't just sit back and just let Louie erupt and say, look at this fucking guy. He's crazy. Do you think, because now I kind of feel bad for them because they were holding it tight, close to their chest. Do you think that they should have either A, let us know as the viewer that this is what happens? Like, oh, yeah, Louie tried to get me to turn on my wife in this whole fucking meeting about this whole thing. Or B, do you have respect for them holding on to it and not making it a circus? Um, I think it's a Just, double-edged sword. I think yeah. that the holding on to it was probably more so for selfish reasons, just to not air that dirty laundry out on TV. I don't know if it was just to like hold it close to their chest and move on. I'm not sure if it was. I think it probably had more to do with like, I don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But... Look, if you're in an actual family that cares about a family, you wouldn't out any rumors that you hear about your family. No. So I think that that maybe shows that they give a shit, but I don't think they actually do give a shit. No, I, I, I'm really confused on how I feel about them right now because I kind of respect that they didn't let it out because of, obviously, it's Melissa cheating implications. Right. But it could, have, it could have hurt Teresa if they used it the right way. Yeah, but and now I'm just like looking back at this whole season. Like there were so many opportunities that you could have just bashed them. And after seeing kind of this last week, and I don't know where people really stand because it's hard to get in. Uh, Ryan Bailey even said this. It's hard to get into the Jersey people on Twitter because uh, they yeah, will so kill each other. Yeah. And if you jump on either side, they will murder you. But when it comes down to it, like I... I feel like they kind of did themselves a disservice by sitting there and just taking it and just doing the same old bullshit storyline because us as viewers are tired of it. And we're kind of pointing to Joe and Melissa like you guys aren't doing anything. You're just gloating on this fucking stupid storyline that we don't care about anymore. If they had brought this, we would have been sympathetic to them. Yeah, I think that maybe they were a little afraid that like, oh, crap, like if we bring up this storyline about Melissa potentially cheating with a rumor that's circulating and how Louis intercepted it and took it upon himself to do all this. I think they may have been a little afraid that people would have taken Teresa's side and been like, oh yeah, Melissa's definitely cheating on Joe. I understand, I guess. I get it. It's just tough. It's a tough spot when you're on a reality show. We understand that. 
But I'm really confused because I've always viewed Melissa and Joe as the reality show, like hungry people that need this. They want this. This is their life. So maybe that now I'm looking at it like they didn't divulge this information to protect themselves. And now I'm like, am I wrong about them entirely? I don't know. I think this is why they've earned the right to have a Teresa free season. I think there's more there with Joe and Melissa Gorga. I think there is. And I think that whether it's good, bad or otherwise, I would like to see that only because I've seen Teresa. I know what it is. She's also phoned it in for the entire season. She's been half ass. Give the other two a shot. See how it goes. Cause look after this season with Teresa, it was a Mm 6.5. So all of these shows are changing. We've seen Beverly Hills do a recast with a lot of people. We've seen people come back. Roni's an entirely new cast. You got to shake it up, clearly. So in tune with everything else going on in Bravo, yeah, get rid of somebody. I vote Teresa. Kick her off the show for a year. Give her her own spinoff. Whatever the fuck you want to label it as, I don't really care. Get her out of there. I'm sick of Louie on the screen as well. I'm not. I think he's fucking great for TV. He's a lunatic. Winning. He's Charlie Sheen, bro. A, I know, and he's a lunatic. He's got I need your blood. I I agree that maybe in like two or three seasons I'll be two or three. Very, yeah, I, I need no. I need more Louis content. I don't need two or he's a nutcase, and he's great for TV. And also, the best part is having a podcast. I don't have to feel bad about saying bad things about him. That's fair. I feel bad about saying bad things about a lot of people if they're having a terrible showing. I never make it like super personal, but when it comes to him, there's no limits. Not scorched earth with that motherfucker. Yeah. But that takes us to a very long-awaited Atlanta recap. We are in Rahoa. I haven't figured out my, um, what's the word? Say Roa. Ro- because the H. Yeah, but it could be silent. Roa. Roa. If somebody's last name is R-H-O-D-E-S, how do you say that? Crodes. Jesus <laughs> I kind of walked right into that one. But yeah, yeah. just call it Roa. We're in Roa. We're finally in Roa. We do this with every new show. First off, we're going to dive into this week's episode. We will definitely get more in-depth the more we get to know these ladies. We are very new to Atlanta. We don't know. I haven't really watched a lot. I've seen random episodes here and there. Mm -hmm. Always enjoyed what I've seen, but never dove in all the way. This is my first dive into Atlanta. I will say, by accident, I started watching last season. And I was that works three episodes, not intentionally. Yeah, no, I know. You're getting that ready to record, work. and I watched three episodes of last season, which was actually nice because it got me up to speed with who everybody was. So when I started watching season 15, I thought I had a little bit more background. Knee-jerk reaction. What do you think about it? I think it's good. I It's definitely one of those that you definitely need more backstory to. And I did a lot. So obviously, we've been prepping for this because mm-hmm. we've been talking about it for so long. Um. I did a lot of background searching and watched a couple of episodes from earlier seasons. It doesn't, it actually doesn't really help a whole lot, to be honest. No, no. Because there's a lot of new faces that are kind of popping up throughout. So overall knee jerk reaction. I think it's a, I know it's a good franchise. I think it's going to be very good for us. I think we're going to really enjoy watching it. I think that this is just the standard, you know, first couple episodes. There's not a lot super popping off, if you will, but I know we're going to enjoy it. So I got to ask you, who is, I'm not going to give the full power rankings. Oh, give me, I, it's, it's tough. I, I've this been is, so this nervous really, for this question. I've been so nervous because we don't know. And I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm terrified. So scared that we're going to choose the wrong person. Me too, because 
we don't know who and like obviously we don't pick people based on the fan favorites but when we do pick certain people that we like we do know what we're getting into mm-hmm. like if we pick somebody we're like oh i'm a big fan of this person we know that people don't widely like them we gear up for some arguments in this case we don't have a lot of background so here's my faves and i think this is universal from what i know of the show candy's fucking great she's awesome i love her my second favorite, and I think this is Ruffle Some Feathers, Drew was my favorite watching season 14. Mm-hmm. Now in 15, I don't like her as much. Okay. Okay. But season 14, I was more focused. There's a lot of drama between her and Ralph, which we do know that they're now divorced. They got divorced recently. But I felt bad for her because the stuff I saw in 14 dealing with Ralph was brutal. So I immediately, you know me, I'm a big softie. So I yeah. sympathize with her. This season, she's not nearly as fun for me, but I would say my second favorite as of right now is probably Kenya because I've always had a crush on Kenya since she's been on Dancing with the Stars. I like that. That's <laughs> so, good. Yeah, yeah. Kenya. I think Kenya's great. Um, so I'm going, and that's probably a safe bet is Candy and Kenya because they're two of the mainstays on the show, but for good reason. I understand why. Yeah. Now um, you go. I, I think this one's going to... Can I guess... Yeah, guess what? Okay, cool. I think that you like Marlo. Okay. And I think that you like Sheree. I like Marlo a lot. I think that she's real. That's what I get from her. Like, the end of that third episode, which we'll get into, I think that Drew just kind of stood there, and I, I got an idea of who Candy is in this cast. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but... You give me a lot of foreshadowing, and I'm getting excited. Getting excited. <laughs> Ooh, baby. <laughs> No, I, I, I like Marlo a lot. Honestly, really, I can't get a read on anybody. Yeah. It's really I, tough for me to get a read on a lot of them because I'm still working, obviously, the inner workings of everything, but I can just judge it at face value. And really, Marlo is the only one that stood out that I'm like, you know what? I can kind of get behind what she's doing right now. I also really appreciate her relationship with her nephews. Uh, yes. Or her sister is incarcerated. That's so. part of it, too, because I like the realness of family stuff. Yeah, same. And then I like to see them mix it up with the other housewives. And I do... I, I kind of realized this like halfway through watching and I, I think it's really funny and it applies to all of the housewife shows when Sonia and Marlo, obviously they're kind of at odds after the reunion last year, Sonia says, you know, I, I kind of want to make nice with Marlo. Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe there is a friendship that could be out there. Housewives in general is just a repeat of everybody just trying to make nice with each other. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so funny. Yeah. And it's like, obviously you've got a couple people that are like best friends all the time and that's great. But the people that are always at odds, you're either, you're never really like fully cut off. No, you're always just trying to make nice. Like we see it with Teresa and Marge in Jersey. And I always, I I just think that's really funny, but yeah, let's get into it. But we're going to start out with, um, with Drew and Ralph. And again, I have my own feelings about Ralph having seen his antics last year and they're now divorced, but they're rock climbing. And look, I'm not a marriage counselor by any means, but the conversation they have is problematic to say the least. Like you can tell like this can't be the strongest relationship because he's kind of not nice to her. Like he makes weird comments. She's like excited because her song's got thirty three thousand streams. Yeah, he said that's not he good. Goes, that's not good. <laughs> and then he says, "Yeah, we're like Ike and Tina Turner." And I was like, "Oof, oh man, that's a terrible comparison." He's like, good, Ike, good Ike, good Ike, good like, Ike, oh, dude. What? Just don't fuck? do don't. That's the worst comparison you could possibly make. But 
she's talking about how music brought them back together. There's two sides to this, okay? Because Ralph then in turn is like, I got my own things to focus on. And she's bummed out because she feels like he's pulling away from the thing that brought them together to begin with. Now, while that might be sad for Drew, Drew cannot assume that Ralph is going to be involved in every step of the way of her journey only because he does have his own things going on. On the other side of things, Ralph, as a husband and a supporter of your wife, if you guys are in this together, once the song drops, you can't dip out and be like, oh, you're on your own now. Like You still need to follow through and help out. So there's problems on both sides. Mm. Drew, oh, I don't think there's a problem on Drew's side. Really? Drew was a full-blown housewife, raised the kids while he went okay. off and did his own fucking thing for years. Okay. He helped her do this song and then just dipped out. Like, no, he's entirely wrong. I don't see anything wrong with Drew expecting her husband who helped him or who helped her do the song to stand by and make sure that it flourishes. It's almost like, all right, your pet project's done. Like, I don't give a shit anymore. See you later. Uh, but I'm kind of saying both. No, I don't see any correct. problem on Drew's side. Okay. That's yeah. fair. I don't. All right. You know what? She can expect her husband to repay her for those years that she spent raising his children all right that's fair she wants to go off and do her own thing and she's really excited about that like imagine your wife is really excited to do something yeah and you say well you know i've got like other stuff going on he didn't do anything i would never say that i know exactly yeah. but he didn't like he, he said that they didn't even market the song he I know, couldn't I take that. a fucking minute out of his day to go help market the song i agree i think it's fucked up nobody's that busy i think that he's i know that you think it's fucked up i understand that, that but I just don't see any problem on Drew's side. I don't know what Ralph does. That. I don't know what he does, but he doesn't strike me as super busy yeah. from the scenes that I've seen him in. No, he he has his own like music industry stuff that he needs to follow up on, and that's, you know, whatever. Well, anyway, next we get to Candy and Don Juan, and everybody in the world needs a Don Juan in their life because oh, yeah. this man is so good at breaking down situations for Candy. For example... She's talking about helping out Todd with his movie. And again, in last season, I saw some things between those two. And because Candy, she's a massive, massive figure in the music industry. She's not like a ho-hum producer. She's not a ho-hum singer. Like she's, she's got a Grammy. She, yeah, she has a Grammy and she does it all. She does Broadway. She does literally everything within the music industry. She's a part of it. Like she's huge. So Todd has his own stuff going on. And he wants to produce a movie, has wanted to produce a movie for a very long time. Finally gets Candy to be an executive producer in it. Don Juan is like, look, if you agree to do this, you need to put as much effort and attention into it as he gave to you for your projects. Because Todd was always there helping out with Candy when she needed him. So you need to return the favor. Having Don Juan sit there and say, hey, make sure you cover your end of things. Yeah we all need that yeah everybody needs that. <laughs> no it's great and i do like that she even took the step back because she has some self-awareness in this to say if i'm the star they're just gonna look at it like oh yeah todd just you know made a movie and obviously made his wife the star yeah like no can't do that i'll be an executive producer maybe i'll have like a small role i loved that i did too because she did that on her own i don't even think don juan chimed in on that part of it but that just goes to show you that like Kind of contradicting the relationship that Drew has with Ralph. Yeah. You get right into this and you're like, all right, so that might be how a marriage is supposed to work. Not what we just saw. No, I think it was really constructive. It is interesting that the conversation is between her and a friend instead of her and Todd. 
which maybe they could have that conversation. Cause I, in last season, Todd did say like the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I've supported you. I, I want the same. Well, sometimes you need that outside influence. To, Absolutely. That because we've party. seen her in previous episodes be a little aggravated when he's sitting at the table going over scenes with people that are working oh, on the movie. Script, and she's right? like, yeah. can you just help me with dinner? And he's like, well, uh, we'll just do one more scene. Yeah. Let's just do this. Like, so I kind of understand where Candy's coming from, where she's like, no, you know, I'll just kind of be there when he needs me. Instead, you kind of have to look at it like you give a little, you get a little bit back. You give a little, you get a little bit back. I don't know. <laughs> just kind of stumbled over my words. There. Pasta. Oh, you're on pasta? <laughs> oh, boy. You're going to start a rumor. Um, but no, overall, enjoyed the scene. I, I really enjoy Candy. Like you said about Marlo being real, I think that Candy is very real. Like what you see is what you get. She in sings, this. What is that? In this. In this. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Foreshadowing. But let's move on. We get a cameo from Candace is FaceTiming with Drew. And uh, Drew is at her house with their newfound cousin, Courtney, who I can't stand. Oh, my God. Me like, neither. Thank God. She's a, no, I'm not a Courtney fan at all. I don't. I, she's clearly there pining for attention and pining for a spot on TV. Like she goes from zero to a thousand instantly almost every time she brings up rumors and she brings up damaging comments about other people and their business, even though she has no business talking about them, such as Candy. But she comes over, and it's weird because Drew was actually castmates with the father of uh, Courtney's child. Yeah, and before that happened, I was a little weirded out because they just found out that they were cousins. And, but what Ralph says is like, when we, you know, once your family, your family. So that part, I can, I can look past that. I get it, yeah, but it's like, come over to my house and like we'll have a big dinner, like family, family, family. That's like, very eh. produced, right? I don't Courtney's, know if I'm like Courtney's in my on the show. I know, but if I'm in my 30s and I find out that I have a cousin somewhere, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, cool, that's great. Like maybe I'll see it. She's time. on the show as a friend of. Regardless, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's a production moment. <laughs> it would but make sense for in her. real life. I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. Whatever. This isn't real life, Sean. Ah, uh, yeah. Legal name. Legal names. Yeah, but. We find out that Candace is on tour. She's doing a city winery tour, which we are very familiar with. Um, and one of her singers that was going to do a duet with her, and I'm going to put duet loosely, yeah, um, can't show up. So she asks if Drew wants to fill in, and Drew gets super excited. So she's going to go and perform with her, and she FaceTimes Candy. Candy's immediately put out that Courtney's in the room with her, but does agree to go to the show. The whole crew is going to go and support Drew. And Candace, which I thought was great. But that takes us immediately to the city winery. And as soon as I got in that room, I was like, wow, it looks so familiar. Yeah. Like, it looked a lot like the Philly city winery. So that was kind of cool. But most of the drama takes place post-show. So let's comment about the show. We did get a little clip of Chris, our boy Chris. I saw him earlier, like just in the background. Yeah. And then later on, he gets actually on the camera and like talks a little bit. But the show itself. Drew's part in said show. What were you expecting? I was expecting her to actually sing. I didn't expect her to do any of her own work. No. Because that would take spotlight away from Candace, which is the important part. I expected her to be up there for like at least a whole song. At least a minute. At least a minute. I actually, a minute didn't even cross my mind. I thought she'd be up there for, you know, a little while. Yeah. Minutes, maybe some backup vocals. I I thought she was going to open. Oh, I was no, I didn't her to think do like that. a song in the beginning and then like kind of MC and be like, and introducing Candace Dillard. Like yeah. that would have made sense to me. That, yeah, that also would have made sense. Both things would have made sense. You know what wouldn't make sense? 
43 a seconds. 43 second doo-wop. Yeah. And then she bounces off the stage. Now, I want to be very clear about this because having been on stage now, regardless of the duration of time, she should be excited. It was an actual show. She got to perform. I understand why she's so elated walking off, and it should be a big moment for her. I don't want to belittle it just because the time frame was short. I, I, I want to be very clear about that. However, he could have done a longer song with her, Candace. Yeah. Just a little bit, man. Come Gotta on. Give Candace a little bit of shit <laughs> here. Especially, shit. like, I get it if this is one of your friends and she's not also a housewife on yeah. Bravo. But knowing who Drew is, maybe give her a little bit more room because you know you're going to open her up to all those comments, which, by the way, justified comments. I'm they not, are. I don't even have any issues with them no, giving her shit either. after because I, I like that. And I think that's what we're going to get with this show is. These women aren't going to hold back They're not on afraid of, anything. No. Like immediately after something happens, which how much do we complain about shows where women hold on to things for you know weeks and weeks at a time and then bring it up later? Instead, we get it right away, and that's going to keep our attention span in. And I think that's why we're really going to like this show. But I love it because of I literally love I loved the first episodes that I've watched. I yeah. love the episodes I watched last season because of that exact exactly. reason. Exactly, like shit to say. Boom, I'm going to say it, and I fucking love that. And that's great because you're also going to get a reaction from the person that you're talking to immediately because they don't have time to think about it. They don't have time to let their minds like warp into this. What if this happens? What if this happens? Oh, my God, what if this happens? Like, no. Instead, you're going to get it right away, and it's off the cuff. And also, there's no more damage done afterwards, Yeah, which is huge because we can move on to something else. And I hope that we continue to get that with this show. But I really did enjoy it, and I loved that even the women who maybe not Sheree uh, didn't show up, but maybe the women who don't really support Drew still showed up and they were still there and they still got to talk to each other. And I, that's important for the show moving forward. Yeah. And her and Sonia squashed the beef after the show because, mm -hmm. and they showed a clip of her flipping her hair into Sonia's face. And I was like, wow, that is super disrespectful. And she did it like twice. Like I get, I would feel a certain way about that too. Yeah. So I get that. But the fact that Sonia showed up to the show means that she, is at least willing to extend this olive branch. Drew and her squashed that beef. Drew is clearly on, and you can understand this because you remember how we felt after the show. Like she's mm -hmm. on like cloud nine. Like yeah. she is just elated. Like so she gets flowers afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And we can tell you, like it's just this, it's this weird feeling. You're just kind of like you're buzzing. Like I felt, and I haven't drank a drop in almost five years. Friday morning after the show, I legit felt hungover. Same. I didn't drink during the show either. Yeah. Like I was completely sober. And the next day, I felt like a truck hit me. Exactly. You're it like was so, so high strange. on life. So even though she was on there for 40 seconds, I get why she's like, she's so just wants everyone to like vibe, yes, yeah. whatever. But she, in the happiest mood ever, stirs the pot and is like, everyone air out your dirty laundry. Let's all get it out there. <laughs> and like, everyone, this is why Atlanta's great. Yep. Everyone's like, okay, cool. Here's my issue. <laughs> and they start going. Candy jumps in on Courtney and goes, I don't appreciate what you said about my show being ghetto. And she literally, Courtney just says, yeah, I said it. Candy had like a terrific response to Courtney. She says, one, don't forget where you came from. Always respect your roots. And I don't bring the ghetto. I bring everybody. Yeah. I'm that polarizing. No, but like I do actually, I hate that Courtney and I like that you don't like Courtney either because one, She's just got that high-pitched scream all the time mm. that I can't stand. And what are you excited about? You can't be that excited about everything in life. Just move on. Trying too hard. But when she brings it up and she says, oh, yeah, Candy had all those ghetto people come in there. Like, she brought the ghetto in. 
She didn't mean that in a nice way or in a completely gray area way. No. No. That, she tries to you, defend you, it by you, saying, my whole family's ghetto. I'll show you. It's like, that's not a rebuttal. You know what you were doing yeah. when you said that. Like, so like, but like, if you're a friend of, and this is your time to maybe show a little bit, stand by what you said. Then I wouldn't have to sit here on this couch and pick it apart. <laughs> but when you're sitting there and you completely backtrack and you try to make it sound like it wasn't mean, go after her. Go at Candy. See what happens. That's what's going to make you. Balls, I don't think she does either. But go after her and see what happens. Because otherwise, you're just going to look like an idiot. Yeah, and she did. And the, the episode ends with an interaction between Marlo and Drew. And as we found out, Marlo lost a nephew to gun violence and is very triggered by the fact that somebody was shot in one of Candy's restaurants. Candy and Todd are both trying very hard to not discuss this on TV. We saw that last week in the mm -hmm. episode. We saw it here. Candy just kind of tries to shut it down. Marlo draws attention to, and obviously we don't have a background, but they did show some clips, which was nice. I guess Candy doesn't talk about things she doesn't want to talk about. If she doesn't want to discuss a certain topic, she will not do so. And they showed a couple of clips of her doing exactly that. So Marlo's sitting there talking to Drew saying, stop acting. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm not getting amped up. I'm trying to talk to you. Drop the act. Like I'm trying to tell you what's up. And Drew's just like, well, what's it? And honestly, I kind of get where Drew was coming from. because She's like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. But from Marlo's standpoint, she's upset that Candy won't discuss it. We later find out that Quentin, her nephew, was employed at one of Candy's restaurants. So the whole thing is triggering Marlo, and she clearly wants it out there. She wants to discuss it out in the open. She's talked about all of her shit. She even talks about, because Candy brings that up with, how was your face cut 23 years ago? And like the mug shot and all of these other things. Candy brings that up to Marlo. Marlo does say, yeah, let's talk about it then, and like gets into it a little bit. She wants the same in return from Candy. Who does that remind you of? Candy will talk about other people as much as she wants, but it's large. Yep. I could do three That's, more. <laughs> I, I obviously I'm not going to say that she is Marge or anything like that, but I have an issue with that. You are on a reality show. If people want to talk about shit now, I get there's legal implications such as when you're sitting at your restaurant and somebody comes in and starts to talk about it and you don't want to talk about it. The man who was shot is sitting three feet away from you. Yeah. You can fucking talk about <laughs> it. In a sling. I, I'm sorry, but I laughed at that. Like, that was really funny. I, it, it sucks that like, it happened and that really, I'm happy he's alive and everything. Too. Happy he's alive. But it seems like a comedy. Like, they panned over to the guy in the sling. He got shot. <laughs> like, like a movie you, scene. You could fucking talk about it. And in this moment, I realized. Well, you know, hold on before you do that, just to add, to, like, to the comedic fact of that scene, the producer's like, are we going to talk about the elephant in the room and as a viewer i'm like what and then they pan over to the dude in the sling and they're like the elephant in the room yeah and that's the man that was shot you're like oh <laughs> no no we can't talk about that and like i understand that aspect of it kind but of but it's in the news already I, exactly but when it comes down to the interactions that candy has with marlo and marlo says you know my nephew was shot he used to work at your place like maybe yeah you don't know every little person that works at all your places but have a little empathy she didn't Feel really sad. Seem to. She didn't give a shit. She didn't uh, remember the text. And when it was brought back up in person, she acted like she didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it was a tough Is one. somebody else texting from your phone? Maybe. Who the fuck knows? Maybe Don Juan's in there just texting people back. But it seems like people are afraid to go after Candy. And I think that's what Marlo's trying to push. I don't think Marlo's afraid of her. Marlo's not. 
But I think that's what she's trying to push from Drew because Drew stammered when she's talking about it. What happened with that uh, ooh, uh, incident at your uh, your restaurant? And Candy acted like she didn't know what the fuck was going yeah. on. That is a moment. And look, to that credit, Marlo also did not go after Candy and say the fucking shooting at your restaurant, dumbass. She did save it. She saved it. She went after Drew. But I think what's going on here is Marlo understands that people are not going to go after Candy for the things that she doesn't want to talk about. And this is a real issue that Marlo has. And this is why I stand behind Marlo right now. And I think people are probably going to hate me for it because there's definitely candy stands out there. People I are going to have candy stand is a great candy stand room. is great, but I support what Marlo's trying to do because she is actually affected by this and wants to bring it up. And as soon as that other person was shot at one of candy's restaurants and candy refused to talk about it once again, Marlo's got an issue, wow, and it's a real issue. We're a house divided. I know. I'm Team Candy. You're Team Marlo. It's okay. Interesting. Last but not least, we got one more finale, the Summer House finale. And I don't say this often. I'm glad summer's over. See, I actually think that was the best episode of the season. Oh, no, no, no. Let me preface with i thought the episode was good i do think they finished strong i think Corey saved the season that being said i give it like a five out of ten. Oh, okay i i'm giving it a yeah i'll give it a little bit more of that 5.8 5.8 yeah, closer to not a six quite a six but yeah i just think that it started off so slow man it it's hard to come back from that i do think they did a good job carl was right Things did get better yep. from when we interviewed him. I have a hard time. I have a huge recency bias. And that was probably, like I said, that was the best episode of the season because it had everything. It had partying. And then while they're partying, we had some real conversations, some real solutions, some real arguments, some real endings. It was overall chef's kiss to the season. It was an OG Summer House episode. It was. It, it really was. And look, it's kind of like when you're playing really shitty golf. And then on the 18th hole, you hit a good shot and you're like, all right, I guess I'm coming back. Okay. That's kind of what it was. That's a good, that's a really good way to put it. I like that. And I, I know that feeling yep. all too well, but let's dive right into it. So Carl and Lindsay come back to the house. They are there to film and it goes to a confessional with Lindsay. And she's like, you know, I'm going to let him have a day. But Carl's thing is he likes to avoid confrontation. I'm not about that life. We're going to come here and face the music. Now, this is the big jungle party. It's like the end of the season jungle party. And there's a lot of emotions going on in the house. A lot of people have issues with a lot of different people. It's not all Lindsay Carl centric yep. anymore. But when Lindsay gets there, Danielle has the weirdest fucking reaction ever. And for any Danielle fans out there, just let me start by saying you're not going to like me after this episode because I have a whole lot to say. But. She makes a face when she walks in and then she like throws her hands up like, yay. And then Lindsay doesn't turn around and then she kind of like saunters off. But the first thing we need to discuss, there's been some rumors about Oliver and Maya and first and foremost, and I know we agree on it, but how do you feel about Maya? I, I like Maya and this is one of those. We do, we do not see eye to eye. No, I like her as a person. Okay. So on this show, I don't think she does anything. I, in this moment, I'm going to feel really bad for her. Like that is shitty to go through. I don't know how the fuck Oliver is there. 
I don't know if they had some weird like. Coming I, see, I to was terms. under the impression that he didn't know that she knew, but we find out. We later find out later that she yeah, did know. Yeah. So they had a discussion. So I'm thinking that maybe they had a discussion. They had a huge blow up fight, and then he did some weird apology because that apology in the bathroom was fucking weird. And they came to a point where she was open to him coming. Now, if you're Oliver, why in the world are you coming unless we know that he doesn't care about the spotlight? Like he's never there. He shows up and we don't really see him. He's partying. He's oh, partying. We see him. And then he's gone. Do you know where we see him? Talking to other chicks. Talking to other chicks. What are you doing, dude? By the way, like Maya's a good looking girl. I don't know. I'm not going to say any of that. Never mind. Nope. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really understand like what happened. I guess it was open and he decided to come anyway and then had a terrible showing where he's talking to other chicks. So I felt really bad for Maya. Again, I don't think that she's good for the show because she just gets kind of like lumped into what we already have with Paige and Amanda. She doesn't really bring anything else. Here's so while I feel bad for her, she's not good for the show. So we do kind of agree, I think. The problem is she goes up to Oliver. She goes, are you mic'd up? He says, yeah. She goes, we can't talk about it. Nope, absolutely not. That is my big pet peeve. Mm-hmm. If you're out here, you sign that contract. We are privy to the information. And I know that's not something that she wants to air on TV. I respect that. I get that you don't want to have this conversation. But we as a viewer, like everyone else does it. Kyle and Amanda, when Kyle cheated, all of that was on TV. When Carl went through all of his shit, all of that was on TV. Like Mm -hmm. we see everyone else go through it. So it's not so much that I'm like jonesing to see people have awful, awful, like life altering fights with one another it's more so respecting the cast and being like look if they're gonna do it you gotta do it unfortunately this is part of the gig you want to get paid to be on tv you got to tell us what's up she hides the mic she's like we can't do this right now and she walks away and then we start to get into like craig and page and whatever the fuck's going on there let me just say this right now page doesn't like craig i disagree i don't think i think Paige is comfortable knowing that he's there i don't think she actually wants to move forward with this man if she did the prospect of getting engaged wouldn't be so astronomical to her it doesn't make sense to me that this con this topic has been brought up on multiple occasions how are you not more ready to respond with some form of step forward she doesn't have one her only response finally is let's move in together but they're moving is not really a move-in. He said, I'm going to bring a couple of extra suitcases. She does say, like, if you're in Charleston, I need to be in Charleston. If you're in New York, I need to be in New York. But again, you're not cohabitating, or at least I hope in the reunion we get some kind of clearance on, or clarity, sorry, on are they actually living together. Living together implies that you have the same residence. I don't care. Okay, that's look, I, everybody's going to go through their own motions. Every relationship's going to look a little bit different. Yeah. There is no clear cut and dry like you have to move in before you do this. And they kind of laid the steps out where they're like, well, I want to have kids in a couple of years. So do I. Okay, well, we have to get engaged first. Then we have to get like there is really no clear cut route that you have to take. No, there's not. And that but... goes to say with this as well, like I think that it is a step in the right direction for them. Yeah. They've only been dating for a year. If they've been dating for three or four years and they're still not moved in and they still have no indication of getting engaged, then you can kind of start to brush it aside, whatever, if they want different things, which it seemed like in early conversations that Craig wanted to get engaged quickly. I actually disagree with that. You've only been dating for a year. You don't live together. Figure it the fuck out. I agree with that. I don't think they need to get engaged yet. 
But I do think the fact that it took all summer to come to the conclusion, let's move in together. All summer is not that long of a time. It's a long it's show. reality TV time. It's a long show. Nah. I get that. It's been, they've been two months into this summer. <laughs> I couldn't disagree with you more on this. They are going to go at their own pace. Again, like I said, if Craig was pushing really hard, like I want to get engaged, I want to get engaged, I want to get engaged, and Paige said no, then sure, break up. They're not saying no. Craig is just afraid of losing her, so he's trying to speed things up, which he admitted. Paige isn't really sure what she wants as far as her career and her personal life to go. She loves New York, but she understands that Craig's probably not going to move to New York. He needs to be down in Charleston for business, friends, family, whatever you have. And have that conversation, okay? Have They kind of did, but why do you want them to have such a specific conversation? Because Craig Let needs an answer. He doesn't need an answer. He does need an answer. He's been pining for this. I keep saying pining. I can't get off the fucking word, but he keeps Chris Pine? asking. I'm Chris Pine right now. <laughs> he keeps asking for just, there's nothing Because wrong. he's afraid. He just admitted because that. because you don't, like you don't have to move forward, but in an adult relationship that's been going on for a year, you do need to be able to have that conversation without it being some crazy they got, thing. When they have this conversation, and again, this is on camera. We don't know what they talk about off camera. Nothing. On camera, they choose to have these conversations after drinking all day That's true. at a party. Okay. If you expect to get a real answer out of that, you're, you're not going to get anywhere. They got to a point where they're going to slowly start to move in together because I forget who it was. Maybe it was Sierra or Amanda that had a conversation. I think it was Amanda when Craig was talking to her and they talked about how, you know, how quickly did you and Kyle move in together? What mm. was that like? How long, how far apart were you guys when you started dating? So on and so forth, because Craig's just trying to get an idea of how this works. And he understands Amanda is a lot like Paige. That's why they're good friends. So he needs to try to figure this out. And he understands, Hey, I'm really scared that I'm going to lose you. So I'm trying to push these things along Maybe we don't have to do that. Maybe we can just kind of slowly spend a lot more time together. That's the next step. I think that they were jumping too quickly and they were saying, hey, we need to move in together. And that scared the shit out of both of them. I think that they need to start spending. I think he's scared he's going to lose her. He's, yeah, but he's not scared to move forward. No, he's not. But I think that he needs to understand that what Paige wants is also important. And Paige wants to stay in New York. And they also want to be able to spend more time together. They've already started spending more time together. Again, it's a year. I'm not. Look. I think you're the relationship police here. Fuck you. I'm not the relationship <laughs> police. I'm just saying the fact that it's this difficult to have this conversation and the fact that she tries to like derail the conversation by like, you're just afraid to lose me. All, to me, that is a way to sidestep having the conversation. Like, oh, you're not going to lose me. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Let's just settle down. I will say it did get to the point. She said, "Let's move in together." "Quote unquote." I'm still not sure how that move looks because it doesn't. It's not really a move in. It's it's really just they need to spend more time together because what they've been doing is just like weekending at each other's places, and it sounds like more in New York than Charleston. Yeah, which is whatever. But if you're gonna spend more time together, that's the logical next step. Spend weeks and weeks and weeks together, months and months together. Not just vacations, not just coming for a weekend, not this and that. And then you'll be able to figure out like, okay, can I live with this person? Sure. Great. Awesome. Move in together. Then you keep going. Like you just need a little momentum. I think they've been stalling because they chose to have these conversations. And I get it. Like Craig's only there. Paige needs to go film at Summer House. Craig's only there for the weekend. They're going to do this during a party, whether we like it or not. Maybe do it in the morning. Maybe go for, take a Lindsay and Carl thing. Just go for a walk go in the Barry's park. Boot camp. Go, go, no, <laughs> nope. Go for a walk in the park and go talk about it. I, I, I felt bad for Craig this episode for the first time in a long time. 
I felt, he I felt was bad from last week too. Unwillingly in these weird situations with yeah, other people, he and he was sitting outside by himself. And it was so funny when Kyle walked up. What's going on? Uh, it's just a fucking war zone everywhere I go. Like I don't know. They ask later. Uh, yeah, Oliver just left. I don't know. He left in a hurry. I don't know what's going just, on. I'm the third I just party. Felt really bad for Craig the whole time, and he has to deal with the whole page thing. So I want them to work out. I'm going to put it on the record. I want them to work out. I hope that they have it in them. And I'm going to be rooting for him. I'm not rooting against them. And I'm also, I don't think they should get, I don't think they should get engaged. I do not think that's the next yet, step. Or yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I was going to go. Woo. No, 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 no. Yet. I think that there, it makes sense down the road. Sure. But no, I do think that the logical next step is moving in together. It just, to me, I didn't understand how that was so hard. It's just complicated because one, Craig has the business in Charleston and he still has Southern charm right, too. It's complicated, but talk about it. Yeah. I, I don't think that they're mature, mature okay, enough cool. to talk about it. Yeah. Um, we've sidestepped long enough or sorry. Well, that was an important plot piece. No, it was. We've stalled long enough though, because this episode is about the same thing this season's been about. Once again, probably not the right time to do this when you're hammered and Danielle is wasted. You can tell like she's not that Lindsay's like stone cold sober. I don't really know her state of mind, but Danielle seems intoxicated and they're in the kitchen and she weirdly during a toast goes, this is how I wanted to celebrate your engagement. Well, Danielle, if that's the case, you had the opportunity last week to do that. You could have celebrated the engagement, but instead you decided to make it about yourself, go on this war path where you're talking to everybody else at the party about when they found out versus when you found out, taking issue with it, not being a grown-up enough to step back from the situation. Even if you have an issue, save that shit. Don't make the party about that. Then don't double down the next night when you're at a bar with your boyfriend and now you've got your knight in shining armor and you send him to do your dirty work in a place that he doesn't belong. And then you're going to bring it up again on the last party of the year, which of course you are because it's the show and we need to have some kind of resolution. I've read a lot of comments on how people think that this conversation went. From the one, from far one way, from one side of the argument being, Lindsay was ice cold, she showed no emotion, that's who she truly is, versus... Lindsay was finally fed up. I'm glad she didn't go in on her. She didn't have to. Like, you can tell she's just over it. Now, when you watch this scene, what did you see? Lindsay's ice cold. What? Yeah. I, I got we sociopathic vibes. We might go to blows. I get it that you're fed up from it, but this is possibly, and I'm not, I'm not saying that Danielle's right at all. Her actions this all summer right, have cool. been Thank atrocious. You. Thank you. She made everything about her. I get it. I think that emotionally Danielle is completely fucked up and she has no idea how to deal with those emotions. And now she's alone again, her fucking boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, whatever kind of left her out to dry because he's never fucking there. So she has no support except for the women in the house who aren't again. Let's make sure that people know this. They are not really supporting Danielle. They no, are just supporting opposing Lindsay. Absolutely. However, watching that scene was rough lindsey was fucking smiling and Lindsay you can't tell me no way same there way. is no way she is smirking and smiling understanding what danielle it danielle is a fucking she's gone she's emotionally dead 
Yeah. She has no idea what the fuck's going on. This was supposed to be your best friend for years. I don't even care about, did you leave her out of your relationship and not really include her at all in your friendship at all for the last six months? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But if you're standing there and your supposed best friend for the last couple of years is staring there and actually like freaking the fuck out and you can sit there and smile at it, there's something wrong with you. There is something she is. I'm not going to go as far to call her a monster as I would have a couple hours ago. But when I watched it, I felt really weird. And I do not like that. I don't. I think that Carl is the emotional one. And it brought me back to what Lindsay said. You got to face the music. You got to do this and that. I think Lindsay thrives on this shit. I think she loves it. Yeah. Um, I am doing my best right now to let you finish what you're saying. No, I'm done. So that I can go. No, I know. But I was listening. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to react. I want to get my point across without going on a rant. It's very tough for me to do that. As you know, my counterpoint to you, this is the same conversation that Danielle has attempted to have on multiple occasions this summer. Nothing about it's different. The way that she brought it up was the same exact way. It's off the cuff. It's not good timing. It comes out of left field, and then she expects to have this emotional conversation. Now, the first time it happened, when they were at the pool together, she airs out her grievances with Lindsay. Lindsay does the same in return. They seem to meet in the middle. Lindsay says, I'm sorry if I wasn't there. Danielle says that she's going to work on being more supportive, whatever. They seem to at least come to an agreement. The next time Lindsay sees Danielle, the first thing she says, how are you? Checks in on her. We see another scene. How are you? Checks in on her. Is that astronomical? Is that, is that like a huge step forward? No, but it is at least making an adjustment to say, hey, are you good? I'm checking in on you, just like you told me you wanted me to do. What has Danielle altered that Lindsay said to her? Because throughout the whole summer, we hear her say one thing to Lindsay. I'm so supportive. I'm so happy. We see her actions are completely different from that. We see her with the mean girl crew, who, by the way, them piling up behind the corner like that, like you said, that's not in support of Danielle. That's to hear the drama because they live off of that shit. And that's to just throw it in Lindsay's face. See, we're supportive. This is what friendship is. This is what friendship is. Whatever. Now, for Danielle in that moment to bring it up to Lindsay and form it and present it in the same exact way that she already has, I think I would have reacted the same. Now, were the smirks necessary? No. Would I have gotten emotionally involved and given her a response? Probably not. I probably would have done the same thing. You know what, dude? We've done this song and dance. You haven't changed at all. You're talking shit behind my back frequently. You screamed into a pillow, and then you're upset when you're not involved in the ceremony. I don't of it think all. Carl told her that she screamed into the pillow. I guarantee Carl told her these. I don't know. Not, she maybe not brought on it camera, up. But regardless of that, she has enough evidence to the contrary for her to be like, you were not excited. At no point in the summer were you supportive, and she was not. She was a train wreck all year to the point where I think there's more to it. There's got to be something else that we do not know about that is causing this level of reaction from Danielle because it does not compute. The math don't math. To get this amped up, this emotionally involved, this upset doesn't make sense. I understand they were best friends, but Danielle, if you cannot at all take a step back and see where you fell short, how you did not do right by your friend, and to see that this reaction, maybe it's too cold, maybe it's not fully warranted, but if you can't take some form of responsibility in this moment and understand why this is happening, at least to a certain extent, like, 
That infuriated me. I thought Lindsay was fine. The smirking, no. But sitting there and not getting emotionally invested, fuck that. I'm, I'm with it. I would not have done this. Or, Jesus. I would have done the same exact thing. I might have just said, I'm not doing this and walked out the door mm-hmm. because I don't want to deal with hearing what it. What you've said in the last two minutes is way more than Lindsay said during that conversation. She didn't owe her anything. I understand that. And I'm not defending Danielle. Once again, I have to say it. I am not picking You're a either. Dan Stan. Uh, Dan Stan. <laughs> I am not picking either side on this. I think, obviously, Danielle has laid out all of these things that we can say she is entirely wrong. But Lindsay... To say that it's from left field is wrong. She walked into that house and she said, I know I have to have a conversation with Danielle. So she expected it. She knew what was going on. And I think that she knew how she was going to react to this. Two, I don't like, I think that both Lindsay and Carl are a little full of shit when it comes to the Danielle aspect. They are playing the, we wanted it to be a surprise thing. Danielle is upset that she found out 30 minutes before it happened. She should have found out 30 minutes before it happened. That's fine. I get it. But hold on. I'll ask you this. If Danielle didn't have that conversation with Carl where she screamed into the pillow, if she was just looked like a lost puppy just trying to find her friends and didn't do all of those things, do you think that Lindsay and Carl would have included her into their plans? I don't know. Not a fucking chance in hell. I'm telling you that right now because they did not make an effort to be friends with her earlier in the season. Because of her. We don't know that. Fuck that, dude. Before the cameras started rolling, they were already losing their friendship. What because happened? They're in, a, they're in a relationship. Okay, you're fucking married. Do you think that you're not friends with me anymore? Do you think I'm not friends with your I'm wife? I'm not saying you can't No, be there is the some bullshit changes. on Carl and Lindsay's aspect. Okay, I'm they, not... lost, they lost touch with their friends. I'm, again, not excusing Danielle's actions it throughout like the fucking are. season. However, I think that there is some bullshit to be at, played at, and I think that Lindsay is ringleading a little bit here. I am not by any means saying that both sides of the street are not guilty here I'm yes not, you are you're I saying that not. only danielle is i'm you're not. saying that you uh, you're excusing all of Lindsay's, except for the smirks no i'll talk absolutely not i think that Lindsay knew exactly how this conversation was gonna go good and she no the coldness of it i get it if you're over it there is there is what you portray when you're over something and you you did it very nicely where you said look i'm not having this conversation right now it's not any different than what we had before i'm leaving boom done over with she didn't do that she sat there and listened to her and fucking smiled. She doesn't give a shit. She's cold. I'm saying throughout the summer, you dick, <laughs> throughout the summer, I'm not saying that there's not blame on both sides. I'm saying in this conversation, I don't think Lindsay's wrong to be ice cold. I think it's, it's played out. I think we've seen this song and dance. We know how it's going to go. Danielle, for all of the other shit aside, okay? Whether you think that it was warranted or not, the sole factor is you made your bed, you got to lie in it. This is a product of your actions throughout the summer. Could they have been warmer towards her? Probably. Yeah. I'm sure that there's stuff we don't know and I'm sure there's stuff we don't see. I'm not vindicating anybody. Nobody's innocent here. I'm saying that Danielle's behavior throughout the summer has been intolerable and to see somebody at their wit's end and not diving into it emotionally anymore makes complete sense to me. I don't think that Lindsay has dove into it emotionally the entire summer. I think Carl has. Carl has taken the brunt of the emotions and the ex-friendship with Danielle. Lindsay hasn't done a goddamn thing. Those conversations, if you go back and watch them, which I did, <laughs> of course, because I needed to make sure if I'm coming at this like 
the way that I'm coming at it, I wasn't. Expecting I need this. to make sure that I'm right. And when I'm looking at it, Lindsay has looked emotionless towards Danielle since the jump yep. from the beginning of the season. So I think, look, I think you said it right. I think something happens that we don't There's know gotta about. Be something else. Got to right? be something there. Needs there. to be something but more. Both sides aren't making any sense. That's, Danielle that's freaking why. out doesn't make any fucking sense to anyone in their right mind. Every action that she's done this summer makes zero sense. Thank you. And to expect them to include you into their engagement at that point in time, after what you've shown all summer, also doesn't make sense. Thank you. Okay. But there's got to be something fucking there. Okay, I feel Lindsay better. Lindsay and Carl have not addressed since day one. When Danielle started bringing up these accusations and issues, where did they react? They were like, well, what do you mean? Like, why, why is she doing that? I don't understand it. There's got to be something there. Lindsay and Carl made an active effort to cut Danielle out for some reason. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. I think that they teased something in the reunion for what we know in the past when they tease these things, they tend to be pretty benign and it's probably yeah. not going to be some groundbreaking life altering. Let's act like it is. Let's say it is. Okay. And let's say it's damning against Lindsay and Carl. Would that allow me to pull back a little bit from the anti Danielle train? Yeah, maybe, but probably again, not. I, I even not, I will dude. It's just like watching her actions throughout the summer. And look, I, of course, and we talk about this all the time, Two people can be wrong, especially in the Bravo world. Yeah. It doesn't mean that there's a right side or a wrong side. Look at Joe and Teresa. Like you're not, there's not necessarily a right or wrong. But in this instance, all I'm saying, and I, you know what? I needed a good fight. I feel so much better. So thank good. you. Thank you for bringing that to me. I appreciate you. But I just think that when you look at it from an objective standpoint, what we've been presented with on TV, assuming that there's not some bomb waiting to be dropped. Danielle was out of pocket with the whole thing. I didn't appreciate how she acted with it. And I understand being emotionally unavailable at the end of the summer. Ooh. But it's football season. Woo, football. <laughs> Let's go. Summer's over. Fly, Eagles, fly. I can't wait to put that back in the intro. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. so excited. I can't wait for fucking football season. Thanks, Sixers. Okay. But that takes us to the question portion of the show. That's right. Just because we're doing two episodes a week doesn't mean we're not double questioning each week. What? Yep. Yeah. Up first from Joey Butler. Frequent questionnaire. Joey Butler. What's up, Joey? Is Courtney trying to intentionally keep trolling Candy or is she just like that? Uh, I think she's trying to have a strong showing on the show. And that's what she's trying to do, but we just watched her back down immediately. So yeah, 100%. I don't think that's don't who think, she is. Yeah. She doesn't have the balls she, to do it. Yeah. She didn't have the balls to face candy. She just wants to make a name for herself and she's using this platform to do that. Yep. Up next from ghost files, BB, which means that means baby, baby. Yeah. Ghost files, baby. Why doesn't Lindsay try to have a true friendship with more of the women? Oh, this is a good point. Yeah. This is a really good point. So there's two sides to this one. And it's interesting because I actually had a conversation with somebody today about this. So there are girls, girls, and there are guys, girls. All right. Just because you're one or the other, in my opinion, doesn't mean you should be damned for it. I feel like girls that don't fit in with the girl crew and are seen like palling around with the dudes sometimes get a bad rap. So I don't love when that argument is used. Now, 
could she make more of an effort with the women? Probably. Yeah. But you're also talking about a group of women who have actively and openly hated her for five or six years now. At this point, yeah. So it's kind of a lost cause. I don't think there's a whole lot of bridges being I think she gassed. tried, kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, Lindsay had a rough showing a couple of seasons. So it is tough. Like, I think that the damage has already been done there. Yeah. Like, she knows and they know that they're not going to be friends. Now, the weird spin on this is when something bad happens to, like, Paige or Amanda, you never really see Lindsay gloating about it necessarily. No, she doesn't. But I, I don't really know, honestly. I, I think that that ship has just sailed. I do too. I think it's just it's it's long gone at this point, and I think that also speaks to them growing up. Like at a certain mm -hmm. point, you're not going to keep trying to mend relationships with people you don't like. Like you get to a certain point, it's like, what's the fucking point? Yeah. Why? From Alex HS ninety. Thoughts on Paige in the reunion snapshot? I think that Paige has always been a strong reunion person. Like, we've seen her in the past where she doesn't really do a whole lot during the year. She kind of focuses on her own stuff and just snickering behind closed doors. But in the reunion, she seems to show up. So... I think that's just par for the course for her. I think that's her showing up. Now, do I like it? No, I don't like Paige. I think Paige is a shit stirrer. I think she's behind the scenes pulling strings all the time. And when it comes to like, I will give her credit in the reunion. She will speak up. But I don't like the jabs that she takes a lot. I don't like that she points people at other people and like lets them go and like to do her bidding. Like she seems to enjoy turmoil. And I don't like that. Yeah, I, I think the snippet that they're talking about is when Paige says, I was just happy to see Danielle stand up for herself. Uh, I thought it was in reference to you guys don't have jobs. I liked that one. That was pretty funny. Um, either way, I, yeah, I, same, same answer, really, though. Last question from Joanne Shaw. Ideal Summerhouse cast next season. Give me, you know what, make it easier. Who are you giving the boot to for next year? And who would you bring one person back because i'm gonna make that tougher because it's either luke or andrea bring one person back kick off two a couple counts as one i i honestly i don't need Lindsay and carl there anymore okay um you like to see them in another franchise maybe take Lindsay to the new roni franchise that would be cool I think i'd, I'd be like into that, that. yeah because look again like i i think that you give them a clean slate like i really like carl a lot Lindsay, I've kind of gone back and forth with, but I'd like to see her in a new environment. You know what? I, that also brings a level of familiarity to the new Roni cast, where at least yeah. you know somebody. There's a, there's a lot of people that hate Lindsay overall, though. There's a lot of people that hate a lot of the housewives. Doesn't mean they don't that's watch a good point. Them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, no, I actually really like that idea. You should pitch Bravo. <laughs> we, yeah, we like, pitched so many things. I'm going to bring, I'm, surprise answer, I'm going to bring back Luke. Okay. Oh, wow. Because Andre is there. I like when he pops up randomly. You want him to be Keep the him to be guy. like the friend of role, if you will. This, hey, come save an episode guy. <laughs> yeah, like that guy. But I liked Luke. Obviously, he had a weird winter house interaction, but I think that's what shot him in the foot, honestly. Probably. Um, but I do kind of like what he brings. He brings a different element to there. Fair enough. We good. Two hours later. Oop. Fuck me. But that's all we got. Um, remember, next week, if you're in Philly, come out to Barstool Sansom. We will be there for the watch party, VPR reunion watch party, part two. Part two. Come hang out with the bros. July 26th, we have a live show at the City Winery in Manhattan. 
It's the main city winery, or as I like to call it, the city winery. I like it. So get your tickets. They are selling fast. We're not messing with you to sell more tickets. Like they are going quick. And if you want to come, please buy your tickets. Buy tickets for your yeah, friends. Get a meet and greet. Come get meet us. Meet and greet. Come chit 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 chat. Come chit chat. There you, you go. Come chit chat with the bros. Um, and like we said, you can expect two episodes a week from here on out. We are committed. We are ready. Bros are locked in, baby. Hell yeah. Other than that, you got anything else? Nope. See you Friday. Rob, bros are out of here. See you in a few days, guys.